You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. So, I'm so happy to be here. I just, I just love you ladies. I love um, being able to minister to the women in the body of Christ and um, just really thankful for this opportunity to share chapter 3 with you. Um, we'll read verse 1 and then I'll pray. Um, chapter 3, verse 1, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord, for me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Lord, we just come before you. We lift up this time to you. We lay our lives down right now, Lord, just emptying ourselves of ourselves and the things that we need to do when we leave, the burdens we carry from yesterday, Lord, we just want to come and sit at your feet. Lord, I just pray that your spirit would refresh these beautiful women today. Lord, speak. We just ask for you to do what you do best. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to jump right in because there's a lot in chapter 3 to go through. I'm going to go... um, one thing I wanted to say is when I first became a Christian years and years ago, Sandy McIntosh was my pastor's wife, and I still remember the Bible study she did on James chapter 1, count, no, let, ask. And I was like, Lord, I want to be able to give the women something that they can say, I remember Philippians 3. <laughs> so, so mine are pursuit, press, and pattern, that if you can remember these three words for the chapter 3 of Philippians, hopefully... Um, it would encourage you in the future. So I've read uh, verse 1. Let's go to verse 2 in our little booklet here. Beware of the dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh. If anyone thinks else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so, circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness, which is the law, blameless. He's listing all of the things that he has to make him righteous, but he understands that that's not what makes him righteous. So first he is warning us to be aware of the dogs, the evil workers, the mutilators. And he's letting us know that we're not to pursue religious ways, putting confidence in our flesh like they're putting in theirs. They thought that was their ticket to heaven. Getting circumcised is our ticket to heaven. Following the law is our ticket to heaven. And and Paul's saying, no, that's not the ticket to heaven. We are the circumcision who worship God in spirit. We worship God in spirit. That is what makes us saved. And he tells us to rejoice in Jesus and, again, no, not to focus on our flesh. Now, none of our resumes are as impressive as Paul's. And none of us have a spiritual birth or blood for salvation, you know, something like that. Like he's saying who I am, who I was, you know, my blood and my birth and so on. But both of them, our, our resumes, as well as him, 
his sounds ridiculous in comparison to Christ's righteousness and his blood and birth. And I love what Stacy shared about all that he did to make us righteous. In comparison, us to him, Paul says in comparison to Christ, there's no, nothing, there's no righteousness, there's nothing good. And, and, and us, <laughs> no, we're, we're, no, we're not even in the same realm as Paul. Paul spent his whole life trying to get it right with God, but he failed. It was when he found the Savior that righteousness was provided him through Jesus. We aren't to have confidence in ourselves, who we are, what we have done. We are to put it completely in Jesus and his accomplishments alone. Over the years, I have found two areas where <clears throat> I see that women pursue. Because Did I tell you this word is pursuit? I forgot to tell you, these verses, verses two through six is the verses pursuit. So he's telling you, don't pursue uh, righteousness and religious acts like, like they are, like those dogs are. Um, and so what I've noticed that women pursue, the first thing is they're feeling inadequate. And so they pursue self-righteousness and, and self-confidence. I hear, I even heard it today at our table about confidence. And they do that through various achievements to feel worthy or, or important. The second area that I see women struggle with that they pursue is they, they pursue approval from other man, men, man, from mankind. They, they um, are focused or concerned about what other people think. If I do this, what will they think? So their focus is on what do they think about themselves and what do others think about themselves? I see this with women all the time. We're pursuing that. We're focused on that. And it's not your value or others' value of you that matters, but it's his. It's his value that matters. Paul has told us what to do with confidence, with self-righteousness. <clears throat> we are to count it as loss, as rubbish, as dung, as manure, as toilet waste. <laughs> to consider it nothing, to consider it worthless. Religious acts are useless. We can't reach a perfect God in our flesh. Faith is understanding that God reached down to man. Do you understand that Christianity is the only religion that teaches that God reached down to man? All the other religions, man is trying to reach up to God. Faith is understanding that, and our actions are to be a result of the faith, of our love and gratitude for what he has done. So the pursuit of self-confidence. Um, people always think that I'm self-confident. They'll say that to me, but I'm not. I'm Christ-confident. He says I am loved. He says he has given me gifts, talents, and abilities. He says I am wanted, cherished, fearfully and wonderfully made. He says he has prepared a work for me to do. And I choose to put my confidence in his promises that I find in the word and to walk them out in faith. And every one of those promises are true for you. Our confidence isn't in ourselves. Our confidence is in Christ. We have Christ's confidence. The pursuit of man's approval or, those, or others judging us. I had read just last week, about Paul said how he didn't judge himself, that he allows God himself to judge, but God alone judges him. He doesn't judge himself. And he knew he wasn't perfect. He knew he had not, not arrived because in verse 12, he's gonna talk about that. And also in Romans seven fifteen, he says, that what I don't wanna do, I do. That what I want to do, I don't do. Paul recognized 
his weaknesses. He recognized his sinful nature. He recognized that he isn't perfect and he hadn't attained it. So I don't know why we try and I don't know why we put that on other people or why we, why we focus on, why we try to please man to make them think that we are perfect or that we've got it all together. So I was talking, there's this new thing called, um, I forget what it's called, it's on my phone. Um, anyways, it's a, instead of uh, WhatsApp. So I was talking to a gal who's a missionary in Morocco this week, and um, she's really struggling, you know, with her, she's made her commitment there, and she's struggling with her time there. And, and so we talked and talked and talked and talked, and really at the root of everything that she was saying, um, not knowing what to do, should she have gone, is she right with the right ministry, is she doing what God's called her to do and everything, and, and at the root of everything she was saying were two things. First of all, she was afraid to make a mistake, perfection, self-righteousness, self-confidence, doing it right. And what will people think if I don't do it right? Because she's, you know, people sponsor her, people donate, you know, she's being supported. And so she's worried, well, what if I make the wrong choice and what is everybody going to think? And, I, and, I, and it was so cool because this is what I was studying and I was able to share with her. It doesn't matter what people think. What does the Lord think? Are you pleasing him? Are you following him? Are you listening to him? Are you spending time with him? And then about her, her desire to be perfect, you know, if you make a mistake, you confess your sin. You guys know 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The, the, the part to remember is verse 10. If you say you have not sinned, the truth is not in you to make God out to be a liar. So when you, may, when you sin, you confess it. If you made a mistake, then you confess it. And if you didn't make a mistake, then you just praise Lord, you keep on going. So we had this whole hour-long conversation, and I was, and when I hung up, I was like, this is where we women dwell. Perfectionism, self-confidence, self-righteousness, and what do other people think about us? What are other people going to think? And so I just really want to encourage you that that's not the focus. The focus is to be Christ's confidence, what he's done for you, and what he's doing in you, and what he is going to do for you. Starting in verse 7, we're going to look at the um, what we are to start pursuing. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may, one, know him, two, and the power of his resurrection, number three, and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. He's saying all of his accomplishes were rubbish compared to the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. The knowledge of Christ surpasses all things, surpasses your education, your career, your experiences. The knowledge of Christ is, is the most important. That's the excellence he says here. Um, I don't know how to say this name correctly, but Chrysostom said, when the sun hath appeared, it is loss to sit by a candle the brightness of the sun. We're sitting by a candle and the brightness of the sun. What do we need the candle for, right? 
the sun is, and, and I was thinking, so put, instead of S-U-N, put S-O-N. <laughs> you know, when we have the sun, this is nothing. This is useless. It's, it's worthless, has no value. And that's what Paul is trying to say. You know, I had a candle and then I got Jesus and I didn't need the candle. You know, we don't need the candle. We need Jesus. Everything, all, all, of, all that he had done and on who he was and everything that he had was nothing compared to having Christ, nothing compared to the knowledge of knowing Christ. So we're to know him. Um, he considers it all lost in order to gain Christ. And he wants to be found in him, to dwell in him and him in you. So you can go out today and sit in your car and I can see you in your car. So there you are, there's, there's Stacy in her car and I can see her in the car. Maybe I can't see her in her car, but I know she's in the car. And then she goes home and she goes in her house. And maybe I see her in the house or maybe I don't see her, see her in the house. That's being in Christ. You know, we're in, we're in him. So, so when, we're, when we're in Christ, God doesn't look at and say, oh, there's Dana. He says, oh, there's Dana in Christ. He sees me perfected. He sees me like he sees his son. So we have to like kind of shift our thinking about what that means when we're in Christ. God doesn't see who we were. He sees who we are. He doesn't see us. He sees his son who died for us. So what does he want to pursue? He wants to, he tells there that he wants to pursue knowing him. So we don't pursue self-confidence and other people's approval. No, we seek knowing him and to know him in verses 8 and 10 is the word gnosko. And some of you know, this word isn't just to know them. It's, it's uh, to know um, by experience, tasting and seeing that he is good. It's a relationship, who, uh, knowing him and who he is, his character and attributes. So, you know, um, Queen Elizabeth, they say, was the most well-known woman in the world, the most known woman, you know, that people know her. But how many people know her? Really, how many people know her? How many people knew her likes and dislikes, you know, have had tea with her? Did she know their name? Did, did they know what breaks her heart? Did she know them? How many people really know Queen Elizabeth? But I, I fear it's like that for Jesus. We know him, but we don't gnosko him. And Paul writes here that he wants to know him in verse 10, that I may know him. And so that's what we're to pursue. We're to pursue knowing him. In 1 Corinthians 2, 2, he says, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The next thing he wants to know is the power of his resurrection. And I can probably get really excited about this one because the power of his re resurrection is the word energian. And it means working action, productive work, activity. And in the New Test Testament has the meaning of supernatural, superhuman activity. And this resurrection power that he knows in Romans 8, 11, he says, but if by the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your model, mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And when I always, when I read that verse, I always think about the song that Jeremy Camp wrote. Should have wrote it down because now I'm forgetting it. <laughs> the same, the same 
the same power that rose Jesus from the dead, what, ladies? Lives in you, lives in us. Do you get that? The power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. And Paul's saying, I want to know Gnosko, him, but I want to know his power, his resurrection power, that life-giving power. And I just, I think about that, you know, do we believe that? Do we believe that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us? Do we do we believe it? Do we gnosko it? Do we experience it? Do, do people see that life in us? Do we see that in their other people's lives? We want to, I, I, I just, I feel like I could spend the whole time just talking about this part, you know? This is just so important to understand the power that God has for us and the power that he wants to, that he, that he changes us. He changes us from the inside out. He makes us new creations. The third thing he wanted to know is the fellowship of his suffering. Now, this one we don't really want to know, right? We don't want to know the fellowship of his suffering. Suffering is partly from the sin of others and partly from our own sin. And part of our pursuit, you know, if we're to pursue knowing him, we're to pursue the, um, know, knowing him and his power, to pursue the knowing of fellowship of suffering. We don't want to pursue that one. I don't want to pursue that. It's not to be avoided because we are going to suffer in this life. And, and when we do, to know the fellowship of Jesus is to know the fellowship of Jesus being there with you in the suffering. You'll never know what Jesus can do for you in suffering if you try to avoid the suffering that is before you. This song that we sang this morning, The Breath in Your Lungs, many of you know what the changes that happened to my life several years ago. And, and you know, people always ask me, and I, and I say, well, you know, I, I, was, I, I had a strong faith. I knew the Lord and everything. But what changed for me and my suffering was God became my breath. I couldn't breathe without him. You know, I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, but I couldn't breathe without him. And so he became my breath. And that's what happens. We allow ourselves to go through the suffering, knowing him, knowing the power of his resurrection and knowing the, re the, uh, the suffering, the fellowship of the suffering with him, he becomes the air that we breathe, the very breath that we breathe. So what are we pursuing? Are we pursuing man's approval? Are we pursuing self-confidence and self-righteousness? Or are we pursuing knowing him, knowing his resurrection power, and knowing the fellowship of his suffering? The third P no, sec sorry, I'm on the second P. Ooh, I hope I'm doing okay on time. Uh-oh. <laughs> the second P is press, starting in verse 12. Not that I have already attained or am, or am already perfected, but I press on that I may hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. How do I forget what's behind? 
You don't know what happened to me. You don't know what they did to me. I don't have to know. What we need to do is acknowledge that Jesus was there with us when we went through that difficulty, that trial, that tragedy. We need to understand that he has brought us through the hurdles in this life, and he is with us now, that he is using all that happened for our good, that we need to learn to value what we, ha- what we learned more than the pain. And the thing that the Lord, the, the saying the Lord gave me that I heard from somewhere online or somewhere is, may my praise be louder than my pain. God, God wants us to, to get our eyes off of that pain, off of that difficulty that happened in the past and make him bigger. May my praise be louder than my pain. We learn who Jesus is when we're in the trials. We need to forget the past, and that requires forgetting the things that we have done and the things that others have done. Because remember, the the things that we have done, that goes back to trying to be perfect again, okay? So we need to forget the things that we have done. It's under the blood. You confess your sin. He has been faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And then you need to let go of what has been done to you. So we're forgetting those things, but we also forget the good things. And that's what this other, these scriptures just that we read a few minutes ago, Paul is saying, forget all that. Again, in comparison to the candle or the sun, you know, all of that accomplishments, all of those, those things that we have done, we're to let go of that. Paul says he considers everything rubbish. So it doesn't matter what I did one year ago, five years ago, 20 years ago. I've now been a Christian 40 years. Okay. It doesn't matter what I did 40 years ago for the Lord. That's all behind. I forget what lies behind. This is all in the past. Am I serving the Lord today? And am I doing it out of duty or gratitude and love for him, love for what he has done for me? So we have to forget what lies behind, the good and the bad. And then he says that we reach. We reach. And reaching is going forward. It's an action. And... Um, remembering 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Behold, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old man has gone and the new has come. This is gone. This is what we're reaching for. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the new man. Isaiah 43, 18, 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Now, today, today, day of refreshing, God's doing a new thing. He's wanting you to reach ahead. When you leave here today, when you go home to your family, when you go to work this week, when you go to, to serve your family, uh, to uh, serve your mom who lives with you, whatever it is that you're doing, the Lord wants you to, to reach for what is today. And it says there to perceive it, to perceive, to comprehend, to understand. You understand that God is doing a work in front of you. You just have to, you just have to perceive it. He's doing something. He's, he's going places. Are you going to go with him? Are you going to follow him? Are you going to go after it? And it says that you must not dwell in the past. And if we dwell in the past, you know, we, we, we can't see what's ahead, right? Press toward the goal. It takes action. 
direction. What direction are you headed? Are you headed this direction? Are you headed that direction? Are you headed behind? We're to press forward to Christ. That's who we are to, to be reaching for. And we can't finish if we look back. We need to strain. We need to lean. We need to press. We need to stay in this moment, not past credentials, not past mistakes. We need to see the finish line. And they talk about <clears throat> runners when they're running a race. They see the tape, and they keep their eyes focused on the tape. Don't take your eye off the tape is what I, what I heard. Well, I get sidetracked. I look at my phone. Doesn't that just even your phone mess you up? You're like on fire for the Lord going, and then someone sends you some text. Seriously? She said that. Who does she think she is? Right? I was heading toward the goal. I was, I was going the right direction. Next thing I know, I'm, I'm over here. So we need to keep our eyes focused on the Lord and, and don't let things distract us. I don't even know where I am because I'm not reading my notes. Someone said something? <laughs> okay, here we are. Okay, he has prepared good works for you. He has a purpose for you. So you need to do what he has called you to do. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 says, do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Forget the stuff here. Get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Get into training, ladies. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we will do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not long run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. We make our bodies our slaves so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Man, disqualified. How many people that we know and love are disqualified? Third P is pattern. The pattern, <clears throat> verse 17, brethren, join in following my example and note those who walk so, as you have for us a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizen is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Here he teaches us there are two patterns. One imitates those who are maturing and the other is the enemy of the cross. Let's look at the enemy of the cross real fast because I'm running out of time. Pattern number one, the enemy of the cross, they don't want to die to themselves. They live a selfish life, not a selfless life. Their end is their destruction. The path they're on is leading to destruction. They're not heading toward the prize. They're heading toward destruction. Whose God is their belly. They're preoccupied with the gratification, the appetites, the desires of their body. They live sensual lives. What their body wants, their body gets. They're a slave to their passion. It is their God, their authority in their life. It could be food, mind-altering substances, entertainment, immorality, sexual sin. These enemies of the cross are also, it says there, whose glory is their shame. They have no shame. They're proud of their actions, their attitudes, their disgraceful acts. 
They don't mind telling you that they just moved in with their boyfriend. They don't mind telling you that they're, I'm not, I'm not going to go into it. I've got, I've got so many examples just of the people I've talked to this week. So just, just they, there's, no, there's no shame. In fact, they're glorying in their sin. So those are enemies of the cross. Those, those are those who are, are um, headed in the wrong direction. They set their mind on earthly things. And ultimately, that's the issue for all of these. Their focus is on the temporary life, the worldly, living as if this tent we dwell in is all there is and all there ever will be. We, um, we can read about Samson. I don't have time, so I've got to cross that out. Um, <laughs> Samson and, um, and Solomon live, live sensual lives. So sad to see the call God had on Samson's life. His parents, I mean, just read, go home tonight and read about Samson. The same with Solomon, the wisest, richest man ever to live. Sensual. (coughs) So what are we taking in? What are we hungry for? Do I confess my sins? You know, we we don't want to be like that. And um, (coughs) I've crossed out so many things. I'm trying to look at what there's part I wanted to say there. Um, oh, when, when Paul says that he weeps looking around at the ones, and I weep, loved ones who've turned, people who I listened to their teaching for years, decades, falling away. I don't want to be disqualified, ladies. I do not want to be disqualified. And it makes, breaks my heart to see when others have been disqualified. So how do we do that? How do we keep from doing that? Well, the pattern number two. He says there to follow his example. He says there... Um, oh, I'm on the wrong page. That's why. Did I read that verse for you yet? Verse 17? I didn't read that yet, did I? Verse 17. Did I read that? Oh. I have it typed up, that's why, okay. Follow my example to imitate, to model, to walk. You know, your walk talks and your talk talks, but your, your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Did you get it? Your walk talks, your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. If you want it, message me and I'll give it to you. Follow my example. Paul's saying, I walk my talk. So he says there, follow my example, and then note those who also walk. Look around, ladies. We have all these beautiful women here. We have, we have uh, Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus. We had those that we read about in the scripture, but we also have those here who are walking the talk. And he says there, follow my example. Note those who also walk. Look around you and learn from them. And he says, as you have a pattern for a, the pattern, the word pattern means copy, plan, design, blueprint, sample. How do I become a better mom? Hang out with a good mom. How do I submit to my husband? Hang out with a woman who submits to her husband. How do I get up in the morning and read the word and hear from God? Talk to a woman, come to her house. And one woman comes to my house at six o'clock in the morning when I had my jammies on because she wanted to see how I did it. <laughs> And I said, okay, you can come. I'll make my coffee. I'll tell you. And she came over and she, we just sat and I just, I just let her watch me. We talked and, and I just showed her how I do it, you know? 
So you, 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 you use those patterns, you find those people, and you let them minister to you. And for those of you who are mature, you be that example. You be that model. You be available for the other women. He says there that... Um, We, okay, so, so those are the two examples. And then the other part he says there is that our citizenship is in heaven. We're to eagerly wait for the Savior, and we will be transformed. So our citizenship is in heaven. That means we should be living heavenly-minded. <laughs> we live in America. We have all these rights. We can do all these things. We have all these freedoms. But ladies, are you a citizen of America? Yes, I have my passport. Am I a citizen of America first or am I a citizen of heaven first? Of heaven first. So yeah, I have all these rights and freedoms, but you know what? The scripture says all things may be permissible, but not all things are profitable. So my heavenly view supersedes my earthly view. We need to, we need to live in a manner that is governed by our home, which is heaven, not earth, not what earth says, not what the temporary says. We are to eagerly wait, look for heaven. That's where our Savior is. That's where the Lord is. That's where we're eagerly, eagerly wait. And when we're doing this, we will be being transformed. Corruption becomes incorruption. Dishonor becomes glory. Weakness becomes power. The natural becomes spiritual. That's what happens when we, when we pursue God, when we pursue the knowledge of him, when we pr- pursue um, the fellowship of his suffering, and when we follow in his pattern, not the pattern of those who are, whose, whose way is destruction. What will this look like? Well, how might our lives change? Man, Paul really, his life really changed from who he was. 1 Corinthians 4.10, we are regarded as fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are highly esteemed, but we are dishonored. To this present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty. We are continually poor dressed and we are roughly treated and wander homeless. We work for our living, working hard with our own hands. When we are reviled and verbally abused, we bless. When we are persecuted, we take it patiently and endure. When we are slandered, we try to be conciliatory and answer softly. We have become like the scum of the world, the dregs of all things, even until now. And then in verse 16, at the end of this, he says, so I urge you, be imitators of me. <laughs> I don't know. Do I, do I really want to be homeless? Do I really want to be thirsty? Do I really want to, you know, you just look at those verses. And, and he's saying that's what it's going to be like. If, if you seek the Lord, if you follow the Lord, if you head toward that goal, this is what your life's going to look like. There's going to be sacrifices. Ladies, what are we pursuing? Self-confidence or Christ's confidence? Do we want to know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering? Are we forgetting what's behind and reaching forward and pressing on? Where do we fix our eyes? Where do we fix our gaze? What direction are we headed? Whose values do we imitate? Who are we watching and learning from? Do we have lives worth imitating? Are we a pattern for others? Does the way we speak, love, and live encourage others? We are in this great race of faith, every one of us. 
and we are to pattern our lives after those who have gone before us and those around us. But in the race, there are days that are difficult. There are times that we get tired, we get weary. And just like when a marathon runner runs, they have those aid stations for them to come by and take a drink and get refreshed. So our prayer today for you is that this is a time of refreshing. This is your aid station, ladies. Today is it. Right now, right here. And we are all here to encourage you to finish your race, to keep your eyes on the goal, to see that tape and to continue heading for it, to run in the direction and not give up. So let today be your day of encouragement. Let today be a day of refreshing. In a little while, there'll be prayer time. There'll be ladies to pray with. Come for prayer. In a little while, we'll be taking communion. Come to the table and remember who Jesus is and what he has done for you. Be refreshed today and rejoice in the Lord.